0: What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amitel Lucky like TIA's podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a good show here for you on this Wednesday, July the 14th, the year 2021. Uh, recap Game Three of the NBA Finals that occurred on Sunday night and preview Game Four, which is later tonight, uh, between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. The Bucks look uh, look forward to uh, trying to tie up the series at two games apiece as we head into Game Four tonight. Uh, Urinating Tree, uh, the great uh, sports uh, commentator YouTuber extraordinaire, will join us later on in the program to uh, talk about Major League Baseball and recap all the things happening around uh, around the sport as we are sitting here uh, at the All-Star break with the All-Star game, of course, being on Tuesday night. Uh, no games uh, Wednesday. One game on Thursday to kick off the quote-unquote second half of the season between the uh, Yankees and the, and the Red Sox up at uh, Yankee Stadium. He will join the program later on to give us his two cents on everything as far as the team where teams stand at, at the all-star break, uh, players not showing up entirely. Like I went off on, on uh Saturday, the uh, now Mookie Betts, uh, you know, Correa Altuve give you his two cents on that talk show. Hey, Ohtani, Tony Larusa, the Diamondbacks, Pirates, Orioles, bad teams, uh, the sticky substances controversy. We will cover all the bases, no pun intended, with the 20th, What has been an eventful uh, and a headlined uh, and a headline buffet uh, that has been the 2021 MLB season up until this point. And I'll also give you my two cents on the on the MLB All Star Game and the Home Run Derby, uh, which occurred within the last 48 hours prior to today. But where we begin is with the NBA. Uh, and that is the fact that we have an NBA Finals uh, that's still in progress, which is weird because you know, usually now that Wimbledon is now that Wimbledon is finished and your Stanley Cup playoffs are out of the way, and it's you know it's kind of been a quiet-ish time for sports. You know you'll have the you have the Open Championship and golf if you're into that, and then but typically in years past it's just been the MLB All Star Game is the only one of the four major. Uh, of the four major uh, North American pro sports leagues, the All Star Game is the only game in town when it comes to American pro sports. And you know, this time of the year, of course, still dealing with the effects of COVID, screwing up schedules and everything else from last year. You're still dealing with that effect, which is why you have an NBA Finals and a and a uh, MLB All Star Game going on going on within the same a week of each other. And and my opinion before I get to the games, you know, when the when the series is in the same city, uh is it is in the same city and so they don't have to travel, you know, in between games 2 and 3 or 5 and 6 or 6 and 7 and things like that. You know, there's there's too many days off and too many dead days uh in in between games. There's too it's too many of them. I mean, there's no excuse why Game 2 was, uh, well, excuse me, why, get, well, I'll start with the premise. Game 2 uh, between Phoenix and Milwaukee took place on, uh, took place, game one, game 1 was Tuesday, Game last Tuesday, Game 2 was last Thursday. The one day off in between in the series is in Phoenix. The One day off in between is the way you want it, and the way that it should be done. And I understand you get okay. Game uh, Game three in Milwaukee isn't until Sunday. I'll buy the fact that you give them the two days off. You give them Friday you give them Saturday off because of the fact that it's that you know you have to travel. You know you got to travel to the cities and rest from the previous night's game and everything else. But the fact that 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 a whole bunch of days pass between games three and four when the series is is taking place in Milwaukee. Is ridiculous. Game three of this series was on Sunday, July the July the eleventh, and Game four of this series is gonna be is played today, Wednesday, July the fourteenth. Now, if it's in the same city, it's and uh, and an effect that Milwaukee beat uh, beat Phoenix by twenty points, and and uh, and Monty Williams took out his star players with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. There is no reason why this why it should be two. Two, ga- two days in between uh, NBA Finals games when they're in the same city I mean my goodness gracious let's get let's get the games let's get the games going here please 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 I mean and the NBA especially I mean their postseason I mean their postseason is literally two months long. The postseason, the postseason, the playoffs started in late in late May, and uh, and they won't conclude unless we have a game seven, you know, in uh, in mid slash late July. I mean, it's too long, especially when you're trying to cram as much season as you can in a short window amount of time, and trying to get back on your regular October to June. Uh, schedule. It's just it's it's just so unnecessary. I mean, get the games going. I mean, I maybe they did Major League Baseball a, a solid and throw them a bone and say, hey, you know, typically Major League Baseball has this night and has this part of the uh, July calendar all to themselves uh, anyway under normal years. Let's throw them a bone and not essentially kill them in the ratings by putting. Uh, by putting Game uh, Four of an NBA Finals championship series up against the MLB All-Star game, so maybe they did the MLB a favor by staying away from Tuesday night because Game Four should have been played last night. It should not be played Wednesday night. The, the game should have been the the Game Four should have been played last night on Tuesday night. Game Four should be t- Game Four should be Tuesday night, and I think the series, if I'm not mistaken, for Game for game uh for game uh, it's 22111 i think is how the format is so game so game 4 game 4 should have been tuesday should have been last night and game and game 5 which is in which is in phoenix should be friday night not saturday night so so game 4 should have been last night and game 5 in, the, in which the series heads back to Phoenix should be Saturday, should be Friday night not Saturday night so so it's just it, you know it you know the in throughout the entire week this week seven days in a week from Sunday the 11th to Saturday the 17th this upcoming Saturday the 17th there's no reason why why you gotta why there's three games played in a seven day period it's just especially especially the time in between games three and four is ridiculous put the game on. have them get off every other day unless it's a travel day gee whiz I mean I, I, mean, I, I don't understand it because the NBA finals they deserve extra time off I mean all Throughout the playoffs, they've been the, these guys have been playing on the schedule of playing every other day. Now all of a sudden we get to the NBA Finals. Why? Because we can stretch it out longer and and have more uh, time and more opportunities for us to promote it. We gotta we gotta stretch it out as long as we possibly can. Oh my goodness gracious! Get get come on get on with it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. The Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks, like I said, they, the Milwaukee beat out uh, so it wasn't like that that the that the game went to the final wire or excuse me, went to the uh went to the final uh whistle, final buzzer and uh and they had to grind out uh you know, had to grind out the game Milwaukee beat uh blew out Phoenix by 20 120 to 100 exa- uh, exactly due to a phenomenal performance by Giannis Antetokounmpo who has had himself one hell of an NBA finals uh, thus far and he's only played 3 games um, had 41 points shot 14 to 23 from the field um was uh, 13 to 17 from the free throw line collected ni- excuse me 13 rebounds off of six assists one steal and had did a phenomenal job. He stayed away from taking threes. He attempted two of them, but as long as he attempts uh, le- as long as he attempts less than five, you'll live with it. Uh, but the thing with Giannis Antetokounmpo is that we know how he can dominate basketball games. And just because he, uh, and just because his style of play, and uh, the way he plays games, is sort of the, sort uh, is sort of of the old school, uh has an old-school style to it. You know, the big man dominating in the paint, shooting jump shots right underneath the basket, getting easy layups uh, for a guy that's bordering around seven feet tall, uh, getting a dozen-plus rebounds a game. And of course, uh, being a little being a facilitator to a point where you gotta where you gotta make sure that that your other four teammates on the basketball are getting touches while also uh, playing solid defense. That's that's the old school style of basketball that Giannis Antetokounmpo plays, um, which which is absolutely perfect because when he does that, and when Milwaukee sticks to what they're good at and what Giannis is good at, you know their chances of winning go up tenfold. You know, if if Giannis sticks to sticks to dominating within the paint and being a force to be reckoned with offensively, as far as uh, as far as making uh, the Phoenix Suns uh, wall up to stop Giannis from getting to the basket and stopping Giannis from out rebounding them by a bushel. Then you know what the Milwaukee Bucks' chances of winning an NBA championship are a lot better than if he takes the Joel Embiid account. Near, near seven feet tall, jacking up a bunch of threes from beyond the arc. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, it makes you, it makes you vomit and it makes you sick when Embiid does it. And when and you gotta keep Giannis from shooting the threes. You keep Giannis from shooting the threes and playing uh, a stupid brand of basketball. The better off they're gonna be. Just having Giannis just. Go in there and just dominate inside. And when you go fourteen to twenty three, forty one points, and also for the and also you're in the conversation of Shaq and LeBron James as the third player in NBA Finals history with forty points and ten rebounds in back to back NBA Finals games, you you know what you're doing something right. And Giannis should and I don't you know, I would imagine that Giannis probably someone probably told him or uh, or he saw that stat himself but he but he should honestly take the but he honestly should take that and put and keep that as a little feather in his cap and say look I'm actually pretty damn good at this I there's no need for me to take 9000 uh, three point shots and try to be uh you know and trying to be uh, the next big the next uh, 7 foot big man or the next big man in the NBA that can uh, you know that can shoot three pointers because quite frankly his game and the way he plays and uh, and his performances in the last uh, in games 2 and 3 they're better off without him taking a whole bunch of threes he uh He, he joins Willis Reed in the seventies finals and Rick barry in the sixty seven finals as as the only players in nBA finals history with ten with by with uh, averaging ten points per game and ten rebounds per game through, through through their first three career nba finals games i mean when Giannis is putting himself in the conversation with Willis Reed LeBron, and Shaq. As far as uh, as far as in, in far as NBA Finals history is concerned, sticks just keep doing that, and if you don't shoot another three point shot again in your NBA career, you'll live. And he also joins Jordan in '97 against the Jazz, LeBron in that famous 2016 Finals against the Warriors, and Durant in that 20 in that 2018 Finals against uh, against the Cavaliers. Uh, with, with in the last 25 years, uh, having 30 points, 10 rebounds, five assists through the first three quarters of an NBA, of an NBA Finals game, Giannis joined company with those legends. Uh, on set on Sunday night uh, as well, and they also managed to have and also there was a period in time in that game in which you thought Phoenix was uh, in which you thought Phoenix you know wasn't down for the count and wasn't dead, but once but once Milwaukee got on that twenty three to nine run in the first half and they had 22 points in the paint in the second quarter tied for the most in any quarter in the history of the NBA finals in the last 25 years you know it was quite it was quite easy to see that there wasn't going, that no one's going to stop Milwaukee and they ended up going into halftime with a 30 with a 30 to 9 run to close out the first half uh with the halftime score of uh fifty I believe that yeah, f- uh sixty to eighteen plus the twenty se- eighteen plus the twenty seven uh would be eight uh would be forty five. So when you go into halftime and the halftime score that game was uh was sixty to was sixty to forty five, you do- and, and again a thirty to nine run to close out the first half. You were doing something right, and you just had the suspicion that the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, it was going to be smooth sailing the rest of the way for them to close out, uh, to close out Game Three, and uh, avoid going down three games to none. Looking at, looking at a clean sleep sweep and elimination. Hashtag Suns and Four heading into Game Four tonight. But Giannis did a phenomenal job. His teammates. Uh, Failed to show up in his forty-point performance in Game Three. They did their part in there. Excuse me, in Game Two, they did their part in Game Three. Drew Holiday shot eighteen of fourteen from the field, fifty percent from three, scored twenty-one points off nine assists, five rebounds, a block, and a steal um Chris Middleton also was not bad it could be it could be a lot better but it was not bad 18 points 7 of 14 from the field 7 rebounds, 6 assists uh, a, steal for, a steal from him as well and Bobby Portis coming off the bench with 11, scoring 11 points coming off the bench from Milwaukee and it also helps when the Phoenix Suns uh, offensively, cannot throw the ball off a boat into a uh, off a boat into the uh, freaking ocean as uh, as it was just uh, I mean they could not have shot the ball any worse than they did on Sunday night. But uh, Devin Booker was absolutely atrocious from the field shot 3 of 14 uh shot 3 or 14 from the field overall one of 7 from 3 whose three point shooting was atrocious scored 10 scored 10 points in the game Chris Paul wasn't any better shot 1 of 4 from 3 uh scored 19 points only took 14 jump shots made 8 of 14 of them turned over the basketball four times which also uh which also uh hurt them as well he and he and Michael Bridges combined turned over the basketball eight times. It's not a recipe for winning uh, championship uh, basketball games. And then of course, uh then of course you had um DeAndre Ayton get into foul get into foul trouble uh himself. He scored eight he scored eighteen points off of uh, nine boards in the game and Jay Crowder eighteen points. Uh, I mean Jay Jay Crowder, I mean and, and when you thought and it was moments of time in that game where you where if you didn't think that Phoenix was down for the count, it was because of the fact that Jay Crowder was able to make threes. The only jump shots he took were threes. He was six or seven from the from uh, from three and had eighteen points. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that gives you a that gives you a three when you desperately need a three. I mean, I don't care what he's doing. Jay Crowder is always there, always always reliable and always and you can always count on him to make a three. Uh, when the Phoenix Suns need it the most, especially when he's down there chilling uh, in in the corner by the uh, by the baseline, you know, you get him a bit of separation. If he's wide open, and the Phoenix Suns, which which has been uh which has been their trademark all throughout their playoff run of uh, this summer, is the fact that their ball movement has just been absolutely spectacular, which uh, shut which uh, obviously shut uh, sets up the wide open three point jump shots for Jay Crowder uh, to bank each and every single time. He had a very good night uh shooting the basketball himself uh had a uh, had six rebounds and an assist and a block uh in the game as well but if you're looking for but looking for it into game uh, for tonight, you gotta look for the fact that, I, for, from a Milwaukee standpoint, you can. I mean, you would you would want that if you're a fan, if you're uh, Mike Budenholzer, or if you're a member of the Milwaukee Bucks, you would want uh, Paul and Booger to have a to Booger Booker, excuse me, to have another uh, off night shooting the basketball. But you can't expect it, and you can't game plan from it. They had a long two days to think about it, a long two days to process and to go over what they did wrong on Sunday night. They're going going to come out guns blazing and looking to to make a little statement and to basically say, hey, we did not come this far to get blown out by 20 points in their worst playoff loss. Uh, in their worst playoff loss of this uh, entire run that they've been on, we did not come this far to lose to lose twenty points on the road in an NBA Finals game. We came we came too far and we're too good of a team. Chris Paul's uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, Devin Booker, he's too good of a player himself, and of course the role players and Crowder, Bridges, Aiton, everybody else, were too good for that. And you would expect for them to uh, to to acknowledge that and tunnel that and come out guns blazing and and trying their absolute damnedest to fire on all cylinders uh, to begin the game to begin game four uh, at the Pfizer Forum and from a Milwaukee standpoint you got to look at the fact that hey. Brown with the Milwaukee Bucks and why many of people thought that they wouldn't get this far and make it to the finals, whether it be in the conference finals against Atlanta, the semifinals uh, against the heavily favored uh, Brooklyn Nets, which went seven games. The main reasons why is because they are such an inconsistent, up-and-down, wishy-washy, life's like a box of chocolates, you don't know which one you're going to get type of basketball team. I mean, one night, uh, for instance, Sunday night, they blow out they blow out Phoenix by twenty points, and Giannis has the game of his life. Stays away from taking the three point jump shots, but let but let Game Four come around. Giannis starts feeling himself. Back to back games where he scores forty points or more, he probably starts feeling himself and sniffing himself. You know, seeing that he's in a conversation of of uh, of the Rick Berries and the and the, and the Shaqs and the uh and the in the Kevin Durant and the LeBron James of the world as far as and Michael Jordan's of the world as far as all time NBA finals performances and he starts feeling them so I was like, ah, what the heck? I'll take I'll uh, I'll start the game taking a bunch of uh taking a bunch of unnecessary three point jump shots. Then next thing you know Milwaukee is is you know down tw- is down twenty to six. Uh, come uh, with eight minutes to go in the first quarter, and then all of a sudden it's just an absolute bloodbath on the part of the of the Phoenix Suns in Game Four. So you never know what you're going to get, and that's what would scare me about Milwaukee is that they're so wishy washy, they're so inconsistent, and they're so up and down. It's just like you never know, you never know what you're going to get from them in a night and night out basis. Which is why which is why you would you would still you would be. Uh, smart to still, and you wouldn't be wrong to say that the Phoenix Suns are still favored in this series because they're the because they have proven that that when they're clicking, they're clicking, they're consistent, and you know if they play, if they you they know, they're, they're, they're going to be firing on all cylinders, and you don't have to worry about them being being inconsistent up and down and hard to read and hard to figure out how they're going to do from a game in game out basis. The Milwaukee Bucks and I like that. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know a- anything. You know uh, Middleton could have a horrific shooting night. Uh, his jump shot not falling. He can't make a he can't make a three to save his life. You know, and then of course you get into a circumstance where it comes down to coaching, and we all know that Monty Williams is a hell of a lot better coach than Mike Budenholzer is. So. Y- Again, you never know what you're going to get from the Milwaukee Bucks. If you're a Bucks fan, or if you bet the Bucks to win this series, that would scare you because this team is very wishy-washy. They're very inconsistent, and they're up and down, and and, and on a game-in-game-out basis, you never know what you're going. You never know what you're going to get from them. Then also, you know, the two days also you have to deal with the fact with the two days off in between. You know, Giannis is probably Giannis probably is a young he's a young player. This is his first ever NBA Finals appearance in his young career. He's probably read the headlines and has heard the praise that he's gotten from the uh He's, the praise that he's gotten of the last uh, few days, and of course, on the Phoenix Sun side, you think Chris Paul, who's a Hall of Famer, who after all of these years, just fi- just fi- he's finally in the NBA Finals. You think he's going to go down like this? And you think Devin Booker, who's been through a lot himself, being the young uh, player, the uh, center of their of their uh, rebuild, so to speak. That had that was on those many uh, horrific sun uh, horrific Suns teams a few short years ago. You think he's come this far just to embarrass himself on the on the game's biggest stage? That is the NBA Finals. Think again. Think again. And again, when it comes down to coaching, Monty Williams, when the times are applicable, will coach circles around Bootenhoser. Keep that in mind as well. Just getting started. That's the NBA finals. We got Urinating Tree to talk about Major League Baseball in the 2021 season at the All-Star Break. This is the Amitelek and TIS podcast. Urinating Tree is next. Back after this. Welcome back to the and TIS podcast. Joining me now, a friend of the podcast program. We last had him on back in February to preview Super Bowl 55 between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, making his second appearance on the Yama TIs podcast, this time to talk a little bit of baseball. It's, it's sports commentator, YouTubing extraordinaire, the one and only great urinating tree. Trey. Tree, how are you today, pal, okay? I'm doing, doing all right, man.
1: I'm trying to hang in there, just keeping busy. Good to be on again, man.
0: Anytime, man, anytime. Uh, first off, before we get into – Baseball and the All Star Break and everything else. Give the audience a little bit of feel. Uh, how's the YouTube channel going? You know, any COVID scare since the last time we talked to you? Vaccine update. How's how's things going on your end?
1: Well, on my end, um, mostly it's been roughly a lot of travel over the past like couple months. You know, just trying to you know because everyone's just trying to get all the stuff away from nobody went anywhere in 2020. Visited my sister uh, a couple days ago. She was in Scranton for her 30th birthday. So little trip up to New York City for about a day or so. I Apparently, was on TV in Pittsburgh because I was at a Mets game. Uh, but, uh, yeah. but for the most part, no real COVID scares. Everything's okay on that front. I would say um, otherwise, the YouTube channel, its I mean, it's a bit of a downtime right now because my busiest time is mostly in football season. So I would say probably try and keep it busy for the most part. But otherwise, it's been more ho-hum more of the same old, same old.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So let's jump right into it. Um, with As far as Major League Baseball at the All-Star Break is concerned, we'll get to the Pirates, we'll get to my team, we'll get to the Sticky Substances controversy, we'll get to Otani and everything else. But first off, let's begin with something that really bothered me, and I went off on my show on uh, this past Saturday about it. You know, for the Jacob DeGroms, for the Altuves, the Correas, and the Mookie Bettses of the world to essentially piss on, they call it the Midsummer Classic for a reason. It's the best All-Star game, arguably out of all the four North American pro sports leagues. They had, it's the baseball, the MLB All-Star game's the best one. And and in regular years, it's the only uh, big time sporting event on the calendar in mid-July. And for Correa and Altuve, who we know why they're dipping out yeah. on it because they're cheating frauds. But for Degrom and for Betts to basically say screw, screw the, screw the league, screw the fans, screw everybody, I'm gonna take this as my PTO time and not show up. When when especially Betts is one of the biggest stars the sport has, and Degrom's the best pitcher in baseball that plays in the big markets such as New York. Give me your thoughts on on those players skipping out on the All Star game.
1: I think with DeGrom, I think the issue was injury-related because he had dealt with an injury back in June. He was trying to rest it up. I think that's the reason why DeGrom's out. Altuve and Correa, it's pretty obvious because they didn't want to be thrown in a trash can. <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure about Betts. I'm not sure if he's fighting injury, or it's just like he didn't want to go. That's the only thing I have an issue with. He,
0: sa- he said he didn't want to go and that he wanted to rest himself. But the problem is that a few days before, I forget who they played the Dodgers were playing prior to the All-Star break. I could look I it up. Diamondbacks, but, I think it was. Yeah, they had a 9 to nothing lead, and then Mookie Betts in the seventh inning hits a meaningless home run. But yet I can't show up at the All-Star game because I got to rest. Oh, come on, Mookie, get off of it, will you please? Show up at the All-Star game, play a couple of innings, get a two at-bats and move on with it. I mean, my goodness gracious. I mean, and then and then these guys wonder, and then the league wonders, and, and the and the players themselves, they wonder, well, why isn't the sport growing? Why aren't, you know, why aren't we as hip and aren't as popular as as the as the basketball, as the NBA players, as the NFL, and this, that, and the other. But when there's a chance, for you to, I tell you, Tom, Tom Seaver never did this. Uh, you know, Dusty, Dusty Baker who played for the Dodgers, never did this. Mm-hmm. Kurt Gibson never did those, all those old guys who played as just as many games as 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 the current players are now. They never dipped out on the All-Star game. And I, and I don't want to hear the excuse. Well, I want to spend time with my family. To be fair, with all due respect, you were locked up with your fam- family for for a good for a long, long, long time, longer than usual. I mean, this time last year, July fourteenth, twenty twenty, there wasn't they, they still weren't playing games. It no. was still locked were, up in there. locked up in their houses. Hey, it's just like, so what? What are we doing? I mean, and I understand, and we all love our families, and we all love spending time with our families. But I, I, I'm a, if no one else is going to say it, I'll say it for them. They're not, they're not baseball players by accident. If, if, they, if they choose to become Major League Baseball players and do this thing for a living, they don't love being around their family all hours of every single day. Because if they did, they wouldn't become professional baseball players. Without on the road, weeks at a time, long games, long season, they play at night. Please, show up at the All-Star game and do the sport a solid.
1: Do they get a bonus for going to the All-Star game? Because that's the only thing, like with Mookie Betts, I would say, I mean, it's a really rough look, but at the same time, I don't know if there's maybe like a family situation going on. I don't know, like I'm trying to see from his perspective. I mean, he's probably been to the All-Star game a bunch of different times and he's like, okay, I've been through the pomp and circumstance. Maybe I don't want to really do anything and just sit around for a couple hours or like a couple days. It's probably all in the hubbub. Like say somebody yeah. like a Brian Reynolds is his first All Star game. He's probably going to be wide eyed and just like, "Wow, I'm at an All Star game." Mm-hmm. I mean, I could
0: look it up, but I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. But there shouldn't have. But Major League Baseball and the Commissioner's Office shouldn't have to give them a little incentive for them just to do the sport a favor and just show up. No one's asking you to play the full nine innings. No one's asking you to bust your hump like it's Game Seven in the World Series. Show up tip your cap when joe buck introduces you over to pa if you're a position player you get to at you get to at bats you play a few innings in, in the field and you call it a day I mean, miami is, is is that difficult to ask and i'll tell you something right now you know we, we give the nba the media and the fan and the fans and the sports fans out there give the nba tons of crap for the load management and players deciding not to play. Mm. Uh, Kyrie Irving taking random days off because he wants to fart around with his sister at birthday parties without a mask on, unvaccinated. But give the NBA players credit. You know, I didn't see I didn't see LeBron blow off the All-Star game down in Atlanta. I, I didn't see LeBron. I didn't. I didn't see. And if anyone had an excuse to blow off this past NBA All Star game, it's LeBron James. He went into that bubble. He was in hibernation in that Orlando bubble for about three months. Wins an NBA championship in in mid late October. Gets about a, gets about two months, not even two months off, and then has to and then has to flip the page and look to win a championship for the next upcoming season. And he and LeBron James. LeBron James now who doesn't need the publicity of showing up in all-star games. He showed up and yet Mookie Betts and the Grimes of the world can't be
1: bothered. It pisses me off. Pisses me off. I think the thing with baseball too is um, especially as you were mentioning for the marketing, their big thing was uh, Shohei Otani. And like, and I think like he was supposed to be the star because I mean, we haven't seen this sort of two-way dominance in almost over a hundred years. Babe Ruth right a- so, absolutely the one thing I'm thinking is why didn't they have Vlad Jr. in the home run derby it's like he didn't want to do it that's one why I, I'm, I'm wondering why Salvador Perez was in the home run derby it's like nothing wrong with Salvador Perez but the guys and hit more than 30 home runs in the season so. Right. Yeah, and plus he has plus he has been like relevant in the baseball
0: world since the since the Royals were World Series contenders yeah. five plus years. But he's
1: yeah. actually having a really good year. But still, it's all it was a little perplexing to me.
0: Right. And speaking of speaking of speaking of Otani, uh, and we'll get to what Stephen A. Smith said in a minute. But my issue with Otani is the fact that he's a hell of a talent and he's something that, that obviously the majority of the people alive that are baseball fans today have not ever seen before. They were not around for Babe Ruth. The problem that bothers me with Otani is that he's becoming so big and so much of an icon, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but the issue is is that, the, is that he's so big that he gets the casual baseball fan or the or the sports fan that isn't in the baseball that wouldn't that know Mike Trout from uh, Mike Trout, from Mark Trumbo, they come in, and then all of a sudden they see Otani. You know, for about an inning or two, and they say, "Oh, oh he's the next Babe Ruth, hands down." My like, guys, with all due respect to Otani, he's only been at this for a, sh- a very, very short amount of time. God forbid he has a season-ending injury this weekend, wherever the Angels are playing this weekend. God forbid he has a season, if not a career-threatening injury. He doesn't. he he, he either can't play anymore because of that injury or he's never the same again he's not going into the hall of fame he's just going, he's what he's going to be remembered as a nice little story that 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 lasted that it, like the Bo Jackson you know Bo Jackson couldn't Bo Jackson couldn't last Bo is in the hall of fame hell of a talent something that we've never seen before but he's not in Canton and he's not in Cooperstown why because it didn't last as long so my thing is with Otani is that you get everyone who's not you know who aren't staying up till two o'clock in the morning watching Angels games or watching Otani pitch on a night on a night and night out game and game out basis or watching him hit on a day and day out basis. They say, "Oh, he's an X-babe roof No, he isn't. Okay, he's got to do this uh, uh, a, for a long period of time. Surpass the things that Babe Ruth was able to accomplish back in his day. And then you can sit up here and say that Otani that has sort of surpassed Ruth. But for everyone to sit up here and say, oh, he, he's passed Ruth, it's, it's the recency bias within, within uh, as far as the internet and social media and sports media concern is, it, it, altogether is what drives me crazy. Hell of a talent, don't get me wrong but can we pump the brakes before we start comparing him and saying that he is
1: better than arguably the greatest baseball player of all time? I would say too, like the internet is very like uh, short-term uh, memory, especially in this regard. Um, I mean, Babe Ruth, you have to remember too, he started out as a two-way player, but once he got traded to the Yankees, he was solely brought in for the outfield. I don't think he pitched again with the Yankees. I just got to look that up. But I mean, Shohei Otani is an outstanding talent and the injury thing is a legitimate concern because 2019, when he came in, he dealt with us a litany of injuries when he came in 2020, he struggled big time pitching. So I'm glad he's finally able to live up to his potential. But I think what damns me more about Shohei Otani is the fact that the angels are still relatively mediocre, despite his ability, despite Jared Walsh, despite Mike Trout because they don't have any other pitching besides Shohei Ohtani. They've cheaped out on a lot of different situations. Like they brought in like Grisel Iglesias, who's been pretty good, but Alex Cobb and Jose Quintana, like Dylan Bundy was supposed to be your ace. He's fallen apart again. It's like they've cheaped out in so many other areas. They throw money at a bunch of aging veterans. Anthony Rendon hasn't been that good. Justin Upton's fallen off. Um, yeah, they had Pujols and Josh Hamilton, two of the worst contracts of the last decade, but that was because of ownership, like, Um, So like they're like a really like messy franchise, despite the fact that they've been blessed with so many generational talents like Trout, like Otani, like others before him, too.
0: Absolutely. And I just looked it up when Ruth went to the Yankees, he pitched a total of four times mm-hmm. back to back in 1920 and 1921 he pitched uh one game in 1930 one game in 1933 and the two years with the Yankees he did pitch he pitched once in 1920 his first year with the Yankees and he pitched twice in 1921 with the Yankees but the majority of his pitching was from 1914 and 1919 mm-hmm. with the Red Sox but, but you know uh, again that's another thing you know Ruth is Ruth was competing for for championships. Otani Otani is going to be out of the picture come come October. You know, again and it's the same thing I bring up with Trout. I mean, everyone makes Trout out to be, you know, makes Trout out to be Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio was was competing for World Series championships on a year in year basis. Mike Trout has been in the postseason one time and stunk in the one postseason series that he that he did play in. Otani, most more than likely, it, he isn't going to see October baseball. And in my honest opinion, as long as he's wearing an Angels uniform, he's never going to see October baseball. So part of being the quote-unquote goat and the greatest of all time, and surpassing the all-time greats that are bigger in the sport—the Ruths, the 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 Bradys, the Jordans, the Lebrons of the world—is that you is that you got to win, plain and simple. You got to win. You can't be a great regular season player and not show up in and not show up in the postseason, whether it be is that fact that your team is the fact that your team that you play on stinks, or the fact that come postseason time you you perform very underwhelmingly. But, I mean, hell, hell of a player, don't get me wrong, but like you said, the injuries, the injuries, can he stay healthy? And another thing, too, you know, can the Angels, when he goes out there and pitch, they give him, like, six, seven, eight days off in between the starts. You know, can he go out there and give me more than six innings pitch and walk the ballpark left and right? I mean, can I see Can I see him take a, take a no-hitter into the eighth inning? What a complete game shutout, one or two hurt. You know, that's 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 another thing, too. I mean, okay, he strikes out a lot of batters and he throws 100 miles an hour. But if more times than not, he averages five and two thirds innings pitched every single start. I mean, it's okay, but
1: it ain't anything to to go knock down uh, the Cooperstown doors and write about. I think the main thing there too, it's not just Otani that's been dealing with that. It's been a bunch of other people. Baseball's trends now is no longer about letting pitchers go deep, you know, eight, nine innings anymore. It's about maybe six, seven, if you're lucky, five, and then relaying to your bullpen who's fresh. It's definitely not like an endurance trend anymore. It's about throwing hard, throwing fast. You might wear out easier and then you're going to have that risk for the injury. Like, um, Otani and the comment about brave Babe Ruth as well. Like he had a team around him, like the 27 Yankees, for example, like Babe Ruth was one of the best players on that team, but they also had Lou Gehrig. They had, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of other great players as well on that team. Besides Babe Ruth, Bob Musil hit 337, Earl Combs hit 356. So I'm looking it up right now, but like that was a murderer's row of like players on that team.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's just, and, and he, and in the big moment, his biggest start as a pitcher, I, people say it's unfair. It is what it is. His biggest start he's had as a pitcher. And I'm not going to count the all-star game as an exhibition, but when the bright light, when the lights were shining bright a few weeks ago, when he pitched in the Bronx, he stunk. Now, now, now he hit, now he hit the ball out of the ballpark every single time he stepped up to the plate. But he came up small in his pitching day de- in the starting pitching debut in the Bronx. So again, and 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 Ruth and Ruth never did such a thing. Come to the Bronx and stink up the joint. Uh, never never did such a thing. But that, anyway, that's not here nor there. Now getting to the controversy with ESPN, uh, ESPN First Take uh, commentator Stephen A. Smith uh, and what he said about uh, about Shohei Ohtani about how. He can't essentially be the face of baseball because he has to speak through a translator and everything else. What are your? What are you? I now, to, now I understand that you have that show, that uh, show with the uh, the dumpster fire with uh, Mister Five Points, mm-hmm. so, and I didn't see that because I knew you were coming on today, so I wanted to hear a fresh perspective. What what is your reaction of what Stephen A. said, and what is honestly your thoughts on on who's really to blame for this controversy outside of Smith himself for saying that.
1: Um, The thing with Stephen A. Smith's comments, I think they're honestly ignorant. I think it's a situation where, I mean, the majority of your players in, you know, baseball, like it's a melting pot. You have a ton of like uh, Latinos, uh, Hispanic, um, Puerto Rico, um, Cuba, Dominican Republic, Venezuela, East Asia. And, to say like you need a translator to have be a face of baseball Ichiro was like a superstar in baseball 20 years ago and like there was no real comments about having issues with that I mean Fernando Tatis Ronald Acuna Vlad Guerrero Jr those are some of your biggest stars in baseball they grew up in the Dominican like Acuna didn't have a superstar ability but maybe Tatis and Vlad maybe have something like that too but at the same time um I would say, like, it's just like, it just shows, like, a lack of, like, not really understanding, but, like, right. It honestly seems it's ignorance. Kind of hypocr- ignorance is kind of hypocritical if you think about it, because all the stuff that happened last year about, you know, mentioning, like, you know, the civil rights issues, but, like, and mm-hmm. then you're going off and just straight up dismissing, like, an entire, like, group's, like, you know, maybe potential like star, but it's like, it's just like kind of just gives me like a bad issue, but at the same time, and I mentioned this a couple days ago as well, like ESPN, like this is what they have to do to generate attention. Like you have to get more and more outrageous takes to get that buzz going. And I, I blame honestly, like ESPN's mentality of just trying to create controversy and debate just to generate attention. Because at the same time, like Stephen A. Smith, like mentioned a couple days ago, like they didn't promote Shohei Ohtani enough as a marketer. Like I think, like I think he believes he's an excellent talent, but at the same time, like there's no argument against Shohei Ohtani as like the face of baseball. It's like my belief is the crack of the bat, the ball hitting the glove, you know, the home run. I think that's a universal language. You don't need to speak English to understand wow that guy hit an amazing home run or wow that was a really good pitchy through I think that is more or less something that kind of needs to be like emphasized there I, I don't agree with like Stephen A. Smith going on this long apology tour about it either it's like okay you made a shit opinion you don't have to like grovel about like you were wrong it's like okay just say you fucked up that's that's all you have to say Like, you don't have to do this entire show, like, trying to backtrack everything we said. And it's not just that. It was also completely dismissing the Nigerian basketball team. It was just, like, completely messing up their names. It's like, dude, come on.
0: I mean, they did lose.
1: It was an exhibition game, but at least give them some credit, man.
0: Yeah, the issue issue is that, for one, I I see this as the chickens coming home to roost on many of aspects – for one, it's it's the chickens coming home to roost with ESPN. And that's why I don't know if you saw it, but it it bothered me when I saw when I had Jeff Passon on yeah. uh first take yesterday and he's chastising Stephen A. Smith. Mm-hmm. I took issue I took issue with that, not because anything that Jeff Passon said was wrong, but the fact that he's take that he has issue with the wrong people. Okay, don't blame now Stephen A. made an ignorant comment. Now he he's wrong in that aspect. Yep. But the issue is not with him; it's his boss and Passon's boss. It's yes, ESPN ma'am. as a whole. Mm-hmm. This is this is a this is something that has manifested itself really since when first take when Skip Bayless was there really took off. It's something that's been manifesting itself and ever since Skip has left, which has been five years or so. This is something that's been manifesting itself for the longest time. And the chickens are coming home to roost. Okay, you cannot, under any circumstances, build your 24-7-365 cable sports television station with giving outlandish hot takes and opinions and call yourself a sports not, not in the not in the in a day in a current day and age where you have numerous amounts of outlets you can go to to find mm-hmm. sports information and sports opinions whether it be radio social media youtube what i'm in podcasts and everything mm-hmm. else you gotta you gotta provide more you gotta provide more substance and i understand that things change and that the media uh, and that the media uh, outlet itself has changed over time, but this is the chickens coming home the roost. And I'm like Jeff pass don't chastise Stephen H Smith, chastise chastise your company because and because the because ESPN themselves is partly to blame for this. They've created this monster where you have to say outlandish, stupid, asinine, ignorant statements. To get clicks, to get views on Twitter, to get views on Instagram, to get views on YouTube, and to create and create and to get headlines in the paper and everything else for you to somehow stay relevant. Because we, because we both know this as a fact. If it wasn't for ESPN having Monday Night Football, the NBA, Major League Baseball and the Home Run Derby, college football and college basketball. And now, soon with the NHL, if they didn't have live sports, ESPN would be in be the freaking toilet. They'd they'd mm-hmm. be done. So and 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 the B, and I don't want to and I don't want to kind of sound sound eh, when I say this, but to a certain degree, Jeff Passon wouldn't be on television because Stephen A. Smith, like it or not, he is the face of the company. Yep. If he if he goes. That's it. There is no e. if he goes, you may have Scott Van Pelt and hold on to what you may have left of P.T.I. with Cornelius and Wilbon, But that's it. You got the Lot live, live games. Uh, Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. P.T.I. and that's it. That's that's your ESPN. But this is something that's been manifesting itself for the longest time by building your company into being nothing but a hot take machine and the debate shows. It's so, it's so overdone. And I tell you something else too. Maybe if ESPN wouldn't talk about Aaron Rodgers whereabouts every five seconds and break down top five quarterbacks and top five teams in the NFL, we're in the, we're in the middle of the freaking summertime and training camp still doesn't open up for another few weeks. And we're about two months away from opening kickoff. Maybe you wouldn't run into this issue. Maybe if you, maybe if they, maybe if ESPN and first thing every once in a while spent some actual time talking about baseball outside of the controversies when it comes to the sticky substances and which we'll get to in a minute and, and the uh, labor and the labor dispute that happened this time last year may have to actually spend more time talking about what's going on on the field
1: maybe you wouldn't have maybe you wouldn't have this issue i think the main thing too like i mean if you look at over the past month like what have you thought of about what when you think of espn you think about them completely shitting on phoenix and milwaukee you think about the issues with Maria Taylor and Rachel Nichols, that whole stuff that came out, which is an entirely different can of worms. You have the situation with Stephen A. Smith. You have the apology tour coming in with Jeff Hassan. And at the same time, you're not, they're not going to blame ESPN because if you criticize your company, they're probably getting fired. That's the unfortunate problem. That's why they can't blame ESPN. And you are right. It is like, Having to generate so many different, like, sort of controversial takes to generate that controversy. It's not about oh, you put on a good product. You're putting on the NBA Finals. You're getting the NHL. Uh, you have an NFL training camp coming on. It's it's stuff unrelated to sports. It's drama. Like you're turning into reality TV. And I mean, simply, Stephen A. Smith, they're clear. they're never going to fire him because like he's the reason why a lot of people show up. He's getting paid twelve million dollars a year, I believe. So there's no he's got, way he's there.
0: got the company. Oh yeah. Like he is the yeah, company. You've made him the face. Yeah, he's, he's he's got he excuse my freshman. he's got the company by the balls. I mean, <laughs> on, so. yeah. and, and, and 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 again, I don't need Jeff Passon coming on, well, my twelve or thirteen year old jet shut the hell up. Nobody cares. Okay. I could understand, I could understand if jeff Passon is is the group of stephen a smith insulted asians and asian americans oh yeah i don't think jeff Passon is asian so another thing i don't need is for him to come on there and chastise stephen a when he isn't even the, when he is a member of a group of people in which in which he insulted that's that's like uh that's like the maria taylor and uh Maria and Taylor Rachel and, uh, and Rick, Ra- Rachel Nichols situation. And, and they bring on Adrian Rosanarowski to speak for the part of Brit. Ta- I don't need yeah, that. All right. But, I mean, it, it, I, now, now with the, with the dumpster fire, uh, live stream show that you do every week. And I know that Mr. Five points has Asian heritage. Yes. He is. What did he, and I didn't see it. What in, in a nutshell, what, what was the points and what was his take on the whole uh, situation?
1: Well, his take was his mother came from Thailand. He she had to come to this country. She had a bunch of doors closed to her because she didn't speak proper English. She had a heavy accent coming from, you know, being an immigrant from an East Asian country. So, I mean, understanding him and his like heritage, he obviously took offense to it because, I mean, he understood what his mother had to go through. And technically, mate might still have to go through. So that was the issue that she would have. And uh, I think they brought in Passan more or less because he's their MLB guy. Not because, like, it was, like, anything related to, like, the – like, you know, Otani in general. But it was just, like, yeah. I think that was the reason.
0: Yeah, I, I understand that he's their MLB guy. but sh- Shut up. Like, he, he, he,
1: you're, I, nobody I like
0: cares him. who – yeah, nobody cares who 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 your kids have hanging up in their bedroom wall. Okay, Jeff. Nobody cares. And to be quite honest with you, if, if it wasn't for Stephen A. Smith, you'd be you'd be unemployed. You'd be working at Fox. I mean, stop it. My God, oh, whatever, I mean, yeah. the, the ESPN. I mean, ESPN pulling the pulling pulling the the quote the the quote unquote guilty white liberal card drove me crazy. Nobody mm-hmm. cares what Jeff Bass and thinks. He's, you're not Asian. Shut up. God, it bothered
1: me. Bothered me. Yeah, it, the whole anyway. situation's a mess, and unfortunately, first take probably got their highest ratings on Tuesday because of that controversy that related on Monday. Right. Absolutely. But
0: and, it's like, and, and part of, and part of me thinks that this is like exhaustion on Stephen A's point because he did that UFC fight Saturday night, hopped on a private jet to milwaukee and then has to go to new york for first thing. so yeah, i would they imagine you know, him when, way- when you don't sleep when you don't sleep mind you're like,
1: like you might not think like you're they, right they stretch him out too much exactly you stretch him way too thin i mean he's a basketball analyst that was his bread and butter that's how he made his living on a program if you had him six solely to basketball i think he would be much better and it wouldn't be as overexposed as he is like, like, say, right. come once ESPN gets hockey, they're gonna have Stephen A. talk about hockey. Dude probably yeah. couldn't identify the red line and the blue line. Yeah, so,
0: stick, stick, stick to what you do. You know, I. And that's on I ESPN too. Show, right, exactly. Like when, 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 it comes to this show, I talk about, I talk about what I know. Okay, and that's basketball, football, baseball. I don't go into hockey because I don't know jack crap about hockey. All I can tell you about hockey is the fact that the Islanders coach, uh, Barry Trotz, is, is the head coach that won the, the Wizards, their, Wizards. The Capitals, their first Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's about all I can tell you. And the fact that the Lightning just repeated. And, and somehow some way someone asked me for a random Stanley Cup finals prediction and I just said for the hell of it a lightning and five and ended up being correct. But I don't go hockey. <laughs> I don't yeah, how about that? I don't I don't I don't talk hockey because I don't know hockey. I don't talk to Euros and FIFA because I don't know soccer. And I don't talk um, you know, and I don't lacrosse I could care less about. I took up the sports about what I don't talk UFC, I don't talk boxing unless it's that disgrace between Mayweather and Logan Paul. I stick mm-hmm. to what I'm good at every and that the furthest I stretch it is, is tennis. The furthest I stretch it is tennis and golf, because it's a little bit simpler to keep an eye on a little bit simpler to kind of learn on the fly because it's an individualized sport. But even then, I don't, but even now, you know, the open championships starting up in golf, I'm not going to give that two seconds. The masters, I'm all over. But other than that, you know, I, I basically stick to NBA, NFL, MLB, College basketball, college football, leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Stick stick to what stick to what you're good at. And and ESPN needs to learn that lesson with Steve Knight because this is also again another chicken chickens coming home the roost. his basketball analysis is phenomenal. When he starts Branch out to all the other sports. It's it's way it's way gonna lose people, and no one's gonna take Stephen A. Smith seriously talking about hockey once ESPN in a, in less than a year and about less than three months time gets the NHL. But anyway, getting off the beaten path. Uh, the sticky substances controversy among Major League Baseball. You know, it drove me crazy when the gla- when the Tyler Glass now to the world was up here saying, "Well, my elbow hurts and I got injured." Because of the sticky substances, crap. That, uh, my, is, quit insulting our intelligence, please. And then Garrett Cole crying and moaning and groaning when he pitched eight innings of, of, I think, one hit baseball, you know, at his first start when he started cracking down on that stuff. And he see up here crying like a little kid to the media, oh, I can't grip the baseball. What, what's, I understand that the commissioner, now I've ripped Manfred plenty. But in his but in his defense, what did but in his defense, in his defense, what do you what do you want to, what what did you want him to do? I understand that the more logical idea is to is to, you know, wait until the season's over. And I understand that he hasn't handled this properly. But I don't want to hear the players moan and groan and complain because Manfred has no reason to lay down the sledgehammer if they just don't cheat. What are your thoughts on this whole sticky substances cheating controversy that made its uh, headlines in the sport?
1: I think the thing with uh, the sticky substances and spider attack, I think the MLB responded way too late and overreacted big time to it. Like you knew there was a big problem in April and May when you're batting averages at the average for the entire league is around 230, which is terrible. That'll get you sent to A if you don't hit with power. Right. And, like, there were teams hitting below the Mendoza line. There were a couple teams that got no hit twice, like the Mariners, mm-hmm. the Rangers, and uh, the Indians. And you just have a situation where it's like, wait, we have seven no hitters in the span of six weeks? That, that's not normal. Like – you can't I, I mean, no hitters like you have like a couple a year, maybe, maybe one mm-hmm. or two at worst, but seven in the span of that many weeks. Like, that's just so abnormal. And then you've come out and says, OK, you do have an issue with the with the spider attack. And they decided, oh, we ignored it for too long. So we're going to punish everyone for the issue. So you investigate every single glove. You have Max Scherzer like you. They said they weren't going to investigate people. In between innings, two days later, you have, you're investigating Max Scherzer in between an inning. And he rightfully right. got pissed about it. And then, um, you know, Sergio Romo dropping his pants in protest. Like right. it, it was it's it, an it embarrassing. a mess. Yeah, and then it, they found somebody and they f- realized, oh, look, it's working, even though it's probably just sweat mixed with rosin. Because, like, that can create a sticky substance. Right. You know, it's
0: just they, – you, you, they have – Mefford has no in his sole, sole defense out of all of this. He's, he's bad. He has no reason. He yeah, he's beyond pathetic. He he has no reason to act on act out act out act on this cheating. If the players just don't cheat, you know, it's like it's like a kid complaining when their parents finally lay down the law and discipline them. When when all the kid has to do is just follow the rules and just do what the parent tells them to, and not and not disobey the rules that that they are given that they have to abide by. The parents have no reason. Now, the parent could be a bad, the you know, parent could be a bad parent, not have a good good relationship with the kid, or whatever the case might be. But still, they the pe- the person authority has no reason to lay down the law and and fl- and flex the fact that they have the power if the people. If the I don't want to you I don't want to say the um, the uh, the uh, the people not the um, I forget the word but w- w- when the people that have to abide by the laws don't cheat you have nothing to worry about and I don't want to hear cold moaning groan. I don't want to hear Cole moan and groan when he was on the Astros team that was shady. And then he, you know, oh, I can't get the oh, it, drove, it drove, me, drove me crazy, crying like a baby. And then he gets asked straight up, "Did you use spider tack?" And he's tap dancing and shuffling around the answer as if he's James, as if he's James Brown at the Apollo Theater. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. And then Tyler Glass now blaming his injury on on on, this, on the substances crackdown. Yeah, guys, quit insulting our intelligence, please. Just be a man, grow up, and admit it, and, and move on, and just try your best to, to do better about it, please. Try, I it drives me nuts. They're
1: too, like they are like, the MOB never enforced it. Remember, with steroids, they were technically illegal, but Bud Selig saw Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa hitting bombs. People were attracted to the game, and he didn't care about it. And then once people stopped caring... That's when you have an issue. MLB wouldn't have cared if people love strikeouts. I mean, baseball has become a three true outcomes game. Strikes, walkouts, and home runs. It's become, like, really boring to watch. And nothing wrong with the game of baseball itself, but the art of fielding is dead. The art of base running is especially dead, especially oh, with the Pirates really having that really embarrassing situation there. You have, like, um, the art of, like, you know, just uh, – like a guy like a Tony Gwynn would not be liked in baseball because he doesn't hit home runs. He's a situational hitter. He puts the ball in play. He gets good gap power. Like that kind of guy isn't respected anymore. Ricky Henderson, he wouldn't be around because nobody steals bases. They're more interested in like, don't get yourself out instead of, Oh, get yourself in a position to get us an extra run. It's like, why would you steal second when the guy behind you is probably going to hit a home run? And now it's about launch angles, exit velocity. It's about spin rates, which, I mean, speaking of Garrett Cole, his uh, spin rates uh, dropped a good bit after the, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, spider Tech controversy started. So uh, just a little hint there. But, um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like, this is a critical year for baseball, and they're honestly shitting the bed. Right. I mean, I, thank God, uh, Manfred's finally saying we're getting rid of that gimmicky runner on second base. We're getting rid of the I seven. Can't eight, stand uh, it. Uh, oh, the, the seven, the second inning like runner it's just like you don't want. I mean, you don't. You you're worried about the integrity of the game, yet you're adding a gimmick to extra innings. Like, dude, what are you doing? Right. I hate it. You know, it's just, you know,
0: I mean, it's so it's it's artificial. It's fake. You know, mm-hmm. explain explain to me how you can begin an inning. And have a game tied to go into the 10th inning and a runner is on second base that the hitter didn't, he didn't walk him, he didn't hit by pitch, no baits hit, not a fielding error or anything. He's just magically on second base and, and he, and he was the, and the guy on second base was the guy that committed the third out in the previous inning. And to be he's on second base. So explain to me how is it fair to to these relief pitchers that come in, in a tie in a tie ball game and having to essentially their hands are tied where they're like, I have to I either have to get this ball on the ground. Or on the ground to strike him out because if the ball's hit in the air, there's a chance they can tag and go to third base. Or if it's a base hit, and depending on how fast the run on the second base is, it, it, you know, right. if if it's the if it's the road team in the top of the tenth inning, you know they're up by one. Or if it's the or if it's the home team, the game is over. So and 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 it's not fair that if a pitcher makes one bad lousy pitch and gives up a home run to the leadoff hitter. Explain to me how is it fair that he gets charged two runs to his ERA when the runner on second base—it's—it's it's not even—it's not even—it's—it's a—it's a magical runner, quote so to speak, because yep. he didn't give it up. The re- reliever that came before him didn't give it up. He's just magically there, and he makes one bad pitch, and uh, and uh, what's supposed to be a solo home run that puts the team up one, they're now down by two because of this stupid rule. I
1: can't stand it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I'm correct. Glad they're, absolutely. They're thinking about getting rid of it. But like, now I think the thing is they're going to ban like shifting, which I mean, extreme shifting, I can understand, but like regular shifting, it's like, why would you ban that? The, if you want right. to expand, like allow hitting either regulate the strike zone. So hitters have an understanding, maybe like reduce the strike zone if you're really desperate, or you can lower the mound or push the mound back like shifting i don't think it's going to really do much of anything especially when the home run has become so uh come up, like become such a commodity right
0: and the analytic nobody cares about the about the launch angle i don't care how hard the ball is hit leaving the stadium As long as it doesn't land in an outfielder's glove or over the fence, I'm satisfied. I don't care how hard the ball is hit. I don't care about the stupid launch angle of of the ball to bat contact up in the air ratio and all that other crap. I don't care about that. The game has become way, 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 way too overly focused and engulfed in analytics and science, okay? If people want to learn about that, they'll take a science class. No one wants that when they want to be entertained watching sports. And and it's it's too much emphasis on that crap. And I and I see it in high school and I see it in high school. I went out for, the last year I ever picked up a baseball bat was my junior year of high school going out for going out for my varsity baseball team. They're sitting up here tracking they're sitting up here tracking launch angle and mm-hmm. exit velocity. Like to hell with all of that. What are, are you fundamentally sound? Can you run the bases? Mm. Do you know what to do? You know what to do if there's a force play at any base? Do you know what to do if the ball's hit in front of you and you're on either second or third base with less than two outs? Do you know how to get the how to get the guy over? You know when you when you need base runners and when you're down by a run or two. Do you know how to beat the shift by either making sure that you hit the ball on the if you're a left-handed hitter on the end of the bat, so it, carries, so it carries itself out to the left side of the infield, or do you know how to essentially be in the in a point that you said with the shift? Why don't these guys just bunt? If literally the entire infield is shifted to their to their side of home plate, I don't care if I don't care if you're a master at bunting. Drop the bunt down, get it toward third
1: base, and see what happens. It's too think- much emphasis on this stupid stuff. Can't I think the it. I think the argument there, especially with like why would you bunt to get a single when you can hit a home run? I think that's the issue there too. Like technically, like I, I'm surprised people haven't done that earlier because there are people that have, have bunted to beat the shift and they've gotten a double out of it. I, I,
0: I Why? Uh, why, why it why is don't like you hard more, to but...
1: change that um, sort of like mentality from a hitter. That's the only thing I can think of. And, like, another thing I keep hearing from a lot of, old, like, ex-players, like guys from, like, the 70s and 80s, the strikeout is no longer as, like, uh, villainized and demonized as it has been for a hitter. It's just like, oh, you struck out. Instead of, like, even back then, like, the strikeout was considered, like, a, um, a source of shame because you never put the ball in the field. You failed. But, like, now it's like, oh, oh, you struck out. Like, I mean, you're averaging, like, a strikeout an inning throughout the bigs at this point, which is – Like exorbitantly high for what it was even 20 years ago.
0: I hate when I played little league and when I played high school. If I shuck out, I was pissed. I'd much rather put the ball in play because you put mm-hmm. the ball in play, you don't know what you don't know what can happen. Strikeout is just one result, and then you know, strike, and then that shame, and then that walk of shame back to the. I can't stand it and for whatever the reason. Today's players don't have an issue with, it. and today's players also don't know how to run the bases. I mean, mm-hmm, Gary mm-hmm. I mean, the Yankees especially. I think they, I think the Yankees lead the league in, in getting out on the base pass more than anybody. I'd I mean, the uh, back too. at back in late April, Aaron judge got thrown out on a on a ball hit directly in front of him. he got thrown out at third base by Austin Hayes my Orioles. you know Gary Sanchez couldn't run the bases. I think it was either in June or May uh, when they played Toronto. I think down in Dunedin at the time. I mean what did I mean what did these guys learn for, for the for a month and a half, for a month and a half two months during spring training? What did they learn honestly? R- learn how to run. The base, no one's saying you have to be Ricky Henderson out there, but for the love of God, learn how to run the bases properly and not look like an idiot when you're up here in front of thousands of people in the stands and thousands if not millions watching on television. I mean, if if people saw, if the fans watching saw this in Little League games and in T-Ball, not T-Ball, but saw these in Little League games, travel games and in high school games, they, they jump off the freaking roof. And yet we have major league baseball players who are getting paid millions to do this for a living are failing at things that the average 15 year old knows how to get right. It's, and it's unfortunately, difficult. I
1: know um, all too well about that, <laughs> uh, that uh, Will Craig, Javier yeah, Baez, uh, how is which is actually some incredible base running by Javier Baez. Because technically all Will Craig had to do was run back to first and tag the bag because it was two outs or just tag off your bias. Instead, he's just chucking the ball up to the catcher and then he's safe. Nobody's covering first base. And it's like, oh, crap. So, And then it's just you create one of the greatest plays in baseball's recent history. Just like the sheer insanity. And I mean, Will Craig, like, unfortunately, he's no longer a pirate. He signed with a team in South Korea. I think like the Kiwum Heroes, I think it was. So hey, I wish him all the best, but dude, it's like it's uh that was embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you just was... gotta embrace it, but still it's like, dude.
0: What are you doing? Like, what do what you guys, what are you guys doing during spring training? It's not that difficult of
1: time. Not even spring training. Hours... It's not it's situational awareness. Right. Which
0: which these which today's players, especially on the bad teams lack of and it was a friend fantastic segue because I was going into your I was going to lead back into not lead back into, but transition to your hapless Pittsburgh Pirates. We'll get to my pathetic Orioles in a minute, who of course have me pissed off. But what what is the deal with the Pirates? You know, they're they're not fundamentally sound. They lack situational awareness on the baseball field. the The ownership it's just like why 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 are they? You know, the Penguins compete in hockey. The Steelers are holding on for dear life, but they're a watchable product, so to speak. It depends on who you talk to, you know, every single Sunday during the football season. And then it comes to the Pittsburgh Pirates, they are a league laughing stock. What's the issue with the 2021 Pittsburgh Pirates and the Pirates organization as a whole? They're tanking.
1: Um they made a couple big trades like 2019 was the year where they were saying, okay, We're fired, everyone. We're looking in the face of a different rebuild. They traded Starling Marte the year before. Last year, they were just terrible. Like, they were just bad in nearly every facet in that 60-game stretch. Like, nobody wanted anything. And now, like, in the offseason, you traded Jamison Tyon, you traded Josh Bell, and you traded uh, Joe Musgrove, who you thought was going to be part of your future core. You got good prospects in return for him, but they're at least two to three years away at minimum. So, at this point, like – I mean, you're bringing in a bunch of different guys. Uh, some of the names, let me look this up. Like, there are guys I'm just sitting there like, wait, when do we get this guy? Because they're 34 right. and 56. They are, they're just bad. I mean, they're not Diamondbacks bad, but they're bad. Like, Brian Reynolds has been good. Brian Hayes has shown flashes of brilliance. Adam Frazier has been outstanding, and I'm really hoping for a good return at the deadline. Like, I mean, Richard Rodriguez and uh, Adam Frazier are going to be the guys that you trade I mean, they're going to be the guys you're going to want, like at least some sort of return for, but like, I mean, your most expensive guy is Gregory Polanco and he's terrible. Like you've got guys like Dustin Fowler, Kai Tom, uh, Philip Evans, Jared Oliva, Anthony Alford, Troy Stokes Jr., Ildamaro Vargas, like guys are, I'm sitting there like, wait, who are these people? When, when did they become pirates? Really? Like I didn't know Kyle Keller was a pirate. I, I mean, John Nagowski is hitting like <laughs> he's sitting around 507 games. It's like, who, who is this guy? <laughs> like, I mean, you are back to how it was in like 2008, 2009, when you were blowing everything up. You have random dudes who are probably never going to see like the bigs again. But at the same time, you're just like, uh, well, uh, might as well sell it off further because uh, this year ain't it. And that's that's the pirates. I mean, I, I agree with them blowing it up because they weren't winning anything with the way they were doing things. They're, the game had passed them by, so I, I'm okay with it. But I call them the best co- the best comedy act in Pittsburgh. Like it is mostly hilarity. I was actually at, at ironically at a pirates game on Friday in New York uh, at City Field. Uh, it was two to two, and then they gave up a ten run inning, and it was just like, oh lord. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, PNC Park is absolutely beautiful if you ever get the chance. But I mean, the only positive is it's dirt cheap to get tickets right now because no one wants to go. Yeah,
0: it's uh, th- does the ownership not care? I mean, what, what it's it, a little is bit of that. Issue? It's
1: a um, small market b- baseball in general. Bob Nutting makes a healthy, like, he makes decent money off the team. But at the same time, like, they're never going to spend the way like the Dodgers do. They're going to have to do it from within. And in the last, like, couple years, they had been stuck in 2015. They were more interested in pitch to contact and, you know, defensive shifting. When everyone defensive shifts, it's a strikeout and home run league. They were still more into singles and doubles. So they never adapted to baseball when the game, you know, went around them. And they thought. That way wasn't going to change. So now they have to change again. And after 10 years, after a deep rebuild, they have to do another deep rebuild. It's unfortunately the way of the small market in general, but I think it's a little of both, to be honest with you. It's a little bit of nutting and it is a little bit of baseball, but my belief is don't hate the player, hate the game. MLB enables this sort of like behavior from owners because they get rewarded for just putting out a team instead of, allowing like fostering a winning culture because if you look at the pirates from like the 60s and 70s they were one of the proudest franchises in baseball you were looking Roberto Clemente Willie Stargell we are family Doc Ellis is no hitter on LSD allegedly uh you have um you know Bill Mazeroski's the most iconic hit in baseball's history you can argue with the game seven walk-off home run right it's just there's a lot of pride there
0: it is, and and ironically enough, my team, the Orioles, they have the same issue. It's just like, and why does major, major baseball needs to get their act together? Because the sport is dying enough as it is. They need to get their act together and figure out a way to basically either implement a salary cap or punish or punish ownership for allowing them to put out garbage teams out there on a on a year in year out basis because no one no one wants to watch that foolishness no one no one wants to watch it no one wants to watch it and the fact that you you cannot you cannot explain to anybody why you have a stretch where you're bad you have about five years at the most where you're watchable and where you're competitive. And if a couple of things go your way, you can end up going to the promised land and then you're right back to being bad again. Like with my Orioles, it's no excuse why. And I should have calculated, I should have calculated this, this team, I bet you, I bet you is probably a hundred plus games under 500 in the 19 years that I've been on this earth from from 2002 the 2020 to 2021 as of right now there's no excuse why this team when this team went why this team dating back to the few years of the late 90s they went 17 years of losing they're competitive for 2012 13 win the division go to the alcs in 14 15 16 five years they were good and then From 17, they were mediocre. But from 18, 18, from 2018 to now, they've been the worst team in the league. There's no excuse for that. And I don't want to hear from the Oriole fans and the people in Baltimore that are are as soft as ice cream on this team and ownership. Well, it's the nature of the game. Oh, well, we don't have the money that the Yankees do. I don't want to hear that. Because at the same time, the, in the time span in which the Orioles have literally done nothing in the 21st century, the Rays, who were founded in 98, have been to two World Series in this century. Most recent being last year, and they somehow, some way, know how to be at least competitive and watchable on a year-in, year-out basis. And the Kansas City Royals, the Kansas City Royals, Went to manage to get the back-to-back World Series and won a championship. So you can't sit up there and tell me that it's impossible to do and that and that only the big boys win all the championships because the Dodgers just won their first World Series championship in 30 plus years. And the Yankees have gone eleven years in between World Series championships and World Series appearances. The only literally the only Outlier that you have are the Red Sox and the Chicago Cubs of the world. The the White Sox won a World Series and the White Sox won a World Series in this century. You know, you have got the Royals won a World Series in this century. It's no excuse. Find a way. And I can't stand Angel. So the league, in my opinion, either needs to put something within its rules where if if there's evidence that we can concoct that shows that you don't care about winning, you're forced to sell the team. Or they got to put in a salary cap because this because this don't make no sense. My my Orioles frustrate your 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 de facto reaction to the Pirates being terrible is to laugh. My de facto reaction to the Orioles being bad is being angry and throwing crap and and, and, and losing my ever loving mind because I, I I can't take too much more of this. This
1: team has been bad more more often in my lifetime than they've been good. That's an issue. The thing, too, is like I grew up like I used to be angry at the Pirates, too. But like at the time, it's just like it's so ridiculous. You just have to laugh like I, what I was too young to remember their championships in the early 90s. So, I mean, I went through 20 years of just straight up dog shit like they weren't good until I was 25. So um, they it, there was like three years where they were good. 16, like it was a disappointing year. 17s when they started falling apart. And then 18 to 19, they pretended they were competitive when they weren't. Uh, the thing with Baltimore is 2018, like, they cratered hard, they blew it up, and they're on a deep rebuild. And this year has been really disappointing for them. I expected a lot more out of them this year. But at the same time, it's um, – rebuilds are hard. Like, I mean, you're looking at, like, a five-year window right there. Uh, your pitching has been very disappointing. I mean, John Means is your best pitcher. I mean, you had the no-hitter, but he's injured right now. I mean, you're still trotting out Matt Harvey, even though he's he's completely cooked um okay. looking at some of the numbers like I mean Cedric Mullins has been really good Mancini obviously uh Mount castle has been all right but like for the most part it's uh a bunch of like people plugged in but otherwise not much there unfortunately and I, mean, th- th- I don't know when it's gonna end I-, I really don't I mean looking at your pro- I mean you have some nice prospects you're just waiting for Adley Rutschman
0: that and the, and that's the problem. That's the problem. You know, they, it's not like that the team can't hit. You know, the New York Mets, who are in first place in the NL least would kill for the or for the Orioles' uh, team batting average. Now they're hitting with learners whose scoring position is in the toilet, but collectively as a team, they hit pretty decently. You know, they've scored. You know, if I can, if I'll go back and look at, at look at their last, you know, recent. Their average games is around so. two
1: thirty seven in comparison to the Mets two thirty one. So.
0: I mean, and and they, and they score a amount of runs, but the thing that that literally just angers me to no end is when they gut is when they perform when the offense shows up and then their bullpen and their pitching just excuse the pun just urinates all over themselves and blows leads left and right. I cannot freaking take it. It's. It, 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 it drives me insane. I understand that this team is not going anywhere near the playoffs, but explain to me how, literally, as an Orioles fan, you know, in the Buck Showalter days, if we hit a clutch two-run home run or even a solo home run late in a period of a ball game, you know, th- we were going to win the game because because you knew that we had Brock O'Day, Givens, Britton in the back end of the bullpen to shut everything down. Now it's like you can't score enough runs. Like in their game when they played the Astros on June the twenty and on June the twenty-eighth, if I can pull up the box score, it'd be great. They had they had like like they um they scored they scored they had a five run top of the ninth inning. And they ended and and they ended up barely winning the game by two runs with the winning run at the plate. Explain to me how you're a Major League Baseball team. You have a five-run ninth inning, and you and, and you end up winning the game with the winning run at the plate. Ex- explain to me that. Explain to me how your bullpen is so bad. And I understand people will say well, give want to give Brandon Hyde a break nonsense Brandon Hyde is the blame for this because he cannot manage a bullpen out of out of the paper bag of His life depended on it if he was on any of these good teams he'd be getting ripped just as much as Dave just as much as Dave Roberts he can't manage a bullpen either he wore his bullpen out too early in the season he puts in these players that stink stink and high leverage high pressure situations that either walk the ballpark or they serve up meatballs right down the heart of the plate for the hitters to drive nine miles. And then the starting pitching, I mean, why is Matt Harvey in 2021 still on the roster at this point? What do you have to prove? What 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 does he have to prove as far as his personal career is concerned? And what does this team have, have, have to prove in general? I mean, you can't you can't trade for him because literally he he it is it's like for him to get through the fourth hell at the fifth inning unscathed it's like going it's like That's our root canal he's pathetic
1: sad pathetic. because like he was really good like when he was starting out and then just like he fell off hard i mean it's it,
0: it, it, it angers me and it bothers me to no end. Like, and I can't sit there and expect them to score, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 runs every single night. Because when they when they have to start from a deficit, you already sink your chances of winning down tenfold. When you have to dig yourself out of a five nothing, three nothing, four nothing, six nothing, seven nothing hole. Every single game. And that's the thing that also bothered me, too, with this past year's draft. Now, I'm not trying to make myself out to be, you know, a uh, a, uh, a high school slash college baseball expert. But explain to me why the majority of your picks in the draft this year were outfielders. You have Cedric Mullins, who's a young player, who's cheap, who has a team-friendly contract, who's a starter on the American League All-Star team. And you have Austin Hayes, who's a, who's a young and fresh talent, too. And I don't want to hear people are giving me grief all in on social media last couple of days. Well, well, these players, they could be traded, or they're going to make big banks. Up until this point, no one's going to be knocking down Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Trey Mancini's door for $300 million contracts in this day and age of baseball today. You have to be the Tatisas, the Trouts, the Machados, the Acuna Juniors of the world to warrant that big money. And no one's going to be knocking down their doors for big-time contracts. So explain to me why you're drafting outfielders when you have the league worst ERA in the sport. I understand that it's not like basketball is not like the nfl where they're going to be on the roster l- later that season or later that year but still it's it's the chickens coming home to roost with the god-awful pitching staff that you developed in years past coming home the roost in a major league uniform so why not try to overhaul and do as much as you can and stockpile on something
1: that's clearly your weak point
0: I, I, main I, thing I with get
1: it. The thing with Major League Baseball and their draft, it is such an insane crapshoot. I mean, there were a lot of people in Pittsburgh complaining about the first overall pick, Henry Davis, because, you know, he was going to come cheap. It's like, oh, the Pirates are cheap. It's like the the thing is, like, you don't know what any of these guys are going to bring. Some of the like top prospects that have been like drafted in the major leagues, like Mickey Moniak was a first overall pick in 2016. He has not panned out in baseball at all. Uh, I mean, the Angels did nothing but draft pitchers like every single pick. And I'm like, what? You don't draft for need in a draft. You draft the best player available and then fill your needs when the time comes. And I mean, the thing with like outfielder, like they're mostly like just like um, lottery tickets in a way, like maybe you strike big on one of them. But for the most part, like, they're either going to flame out or they're not going to play for your team whatsoever. If you get, like, maybe two or three major league regulars in a given draft, that's outstanding. That's a huge success. So that's why I don't put much stock in what a team does in the draft itself. It's how they develop and how they scout. That's what's going to allow, like, teams to do better in that regard. And, like, the Angels were – I mean – The Angels, for example, they drafted pitchers like they need pitchers now. They don't need pitchers three or four years down the road.
0: Right. And I understand and people I understand how it works, how that it's a process. But still, you know, a lot of the pitchers that are on the roster were developed through their minor league system. Guys who clearly stink. If I swear I swear, if I see Jorge Lopez, you know, I, there are some pitchers that when I watch them play, it's just I, I either I either gotta turn it off or I just I, I can't take it because you cannot sit there and explain to me when you're a paid professional why you're this bad at your job. You can't you can't explain it to me. And any other profession, any other one, you'd be given a pink slip and sent home, to me and sent home immediately. And again, it's not like outside of Matt Harvey. All of the players that are on the Orioles roster, for the most part, they came from within their own system. So why not try to overhaul your stock in pitching within the organization by going out there and say, hey, we know what the problem is. We gotta see if we can try to. I understand, like you said, it's a crapshoot, but still you gotta you gotta develop, you gotta develop some some freaking pitching. I mean, this I mean, outside of John Means, this team has not developed a Bona oh, yeah. fide starting pitcher since since the days of Mike Mussina back in the 90s. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's still – it's just no
1: excuse. Yep. Look no at excuse. what Kevin Gossman's doing in San Fran now. It,
0: it bothers me. It bothers yeah. me to no end. God, it pisses me off. It bothers me. Yeah, um, the Orioles
1: have had a problem with that for a very long time.
0: Right. So, again, why not try to fix that and change that since you have a new regime in there? Rather than stockpiling on position players, okay, okay, and and the idea that people again recipients saying, well, they're going to be big contracts and going to be expensive. A, you don't know that, and B, it's, too, it's early. too early. It's too early to tell whether or not Cedric Mullins is going to be making, you know, uh, 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 Tatis Jr. money. And again, what people and what people also fail to realize with the Orioles is that Adam Jones, Nick Marcakis, Two all-star outfielders, two go-glove outfielders that were on that that were on those Orioles teams when I was when I was growing up as a kid, on those Orioles teams that stunk, that were absolutely pathetic. Last time I checked, they both were on the 2014 Orioles roster that was four wins away from going to the World Series. So I don't want to hear, well, they won't be here to see the rebuild, or you know, they're going to get too expensive, or we're going to have to trade them. Nonsense because Jones and Marcakis were there on the on those Orioles teams through thick and thin and were on the or and were on a 2014 roster that was four wins away. Four wins away from going to the World Series. I don't want to hear it. It's not, it's not and another thing I'm I'm sick and tired of the people within the city too. Quit making excuses for this team's piss-poor play and the owner's piss-poor behavior. I'm not, stop giving these chumps a pass. This team hasn't won anything since the freaking Reagan administration. Enough's enough. But anyway, the, the why why are the Arizona Diamondbacks so bad?
1: It's everything. Uh, pitching's gotten injured. Uh, they've had no real vision the last couple years. Uh tell Marte's been their best player. He's hurt right now. They're terrible on the road. Like their bullpen's atrocious. Like everything's gone to shit. That's pretty much the only way to really explain the Diamondbacks right now. And uh, it's they've already fired some people, but I'm guessing Hazen and uh, Lavullo get thrown out as well because you're 26 and 66. You were you were I had them at mediocrity. And like, OK, what do you do? But like they just like imploded and you can't really sell that much because Peralta's not going to get you much. Escobar might get you something, but not much. Uh, Christian Walker, he's not getting you anything. Cattell Marte is the only piece that's going to get you anything on the market. And if you sell Cattell Marte, you might as well do a hard reset. Which, I mean, might not oh. be a bad idea considering the Dodgers and the Padres right now.
0: They, they play in a rough division where where, uh, a third, where a team that finishes in third place could end up being a World Series contender.
1: Yeah, the, yeah, they'll um, be a wild card contender maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. Be, be that wild card sleeper team that can make a World Series run. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your opinion? I screamed and yelled to the heavens about Tony La Russa being out of touch and being out of pocket for his handling with the urine Mercedes swinging 3-0 home run yeah. debacle. What is what is your two cents on that whole controversy with Tony La Russa and the unwritten rules of swinging three?
1: I have a fear about La Russa. I think the White Sox are really good because of the talent they have on their roster. They've done really well despite their injuries, like Roberts out, Madrigal's out for the year, uh, Jimenez still hasn't played yet, uh, uh, Yasmani Grandal's out for a bit. But uh, the thing with like La Russa, like I'm still afraid he's going to hold them back in some way come October. 'Cause you think so. Like I think like I mean, they're really going on talent right now. That's what I really feel like. Because like I mean, their divisions also uh our conference has kind of imploded. Like Cleveland's been dealing with a shit ton of injuries. Minnesota's been a huge disappointment. Kansas City's had a terrible two months. Like hey, they dude, were the dude. best team in baseball at one point. Now pfft, done. But terrible. Yeah. Like, if the White Sox collapse, it's like, I don't know what you do. You might as well fire, like, people. But LaRusso was brought in because he's, like, buddies with Reinsdorf. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm just – I'm still afraid of what LaRusso could do to this team. And it's got a a chance to do something. And if I'm wrong, so be it. But I'm just – I look at his tenure in Arizona, and it was just, like, really bad. Like, he was so out of touch with that team. Like he was the executive there with like Dave Stewart. They both got fired. It's like, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Interesting. Um, What are the teams this season that have surprised you the most as far as where they are at this, at this, uh, at the All Star break? San Francisco Giants automatically. Giants easily.
1: Easily. I had them pegged for mediocrity too but like their pitching has become dominant again. Crawford and Posey are hitting like they're in, in 2014 form. Like I'm just in there like, what, where the hell did this come from? Right. And you're just like, okay. Okay. And, and that's all you can and, say. And their manager, Dave, uh, Gabe, uh, geez. Gabe Kavler. And, and I, I, I didn't like him and he's like, wow, when the hell did that happen?
0: Right, he's. I mean, he was a very spotty manager with the Phillies. Comes to the Giants, and all of a sudden, he's got the Giants sitting with the best record in baseball at the All Star break. Um, What about? Are you surprised at all about the Red Sox and how well they've performed this year? Mm hmm. They've been. They Red Sox
1: have been very strong too.
0: You think you think it's you think it's a fact that they just needed a quarterback or
1: is it partially David? I mean you also have to credit the revival of JD Martinez and their pitching staff has revived as well. Last year's biggest issue was their pitching was atrocious. Like they had nobody in that bullpen or that lineup and now it's like whoa we actually have people now. Our starting pitching's kind of back. Our bullpen is one of the strongest in the league and now we have a formidable team. I don't know if they can keep it up. I hope they don't. But right, it, it it's
0: funny because it's you know they were atrocious during that sixty game season. They get. Do you remember how they began the season? They got swept opening weekend by my Orioles. Yeah, the and they, and they haven't looked and they haven't looked back since. It's almost mm-hmm. it's almost as if like that that. That sweep of that Orioles coming to Fenway when it was like thirty degrees outside kind of woke them up a little bit. Like, whoa, okay, this isn't twenty twenty anymore. It's twenty twenty one. Let's get our crap together, guys. They have they haven't looked back since since Easter weekend. Um, What what are the teams that you thought were supposed to be good in twenty twenty one that have really just Falling flat on their face so far at at the end of the first half of the season. I'd
1: say a couple teams. Uh, I thought Philadelphia was going to be better. I thought their bullpen was stronger. It has imploded again. It's costing them. Atlanta has just been straight up snake bit. I I expected them to right. be a lot better, but like uh, injuries have killed them. Uh, Oscar Yenoa, uh Travis Darno, Soroka tore his ACL, Achilles again by walking. Acunas For tore sure. his ACL and they're done. I mean, when you lose Acuna, he was their best hitter. Uh, that's finished. the biggest disappointment. Minnesota has been a huge disappointment for me as well. Like, their pitching's just like it has aged badly and it looks terrible. So, now They're, you're at the point, if you're Minnesota, oh. you don't know if you got to blow it up or not. Because, like, right. their core, like, hasn't materialized yet and they have a lot of aging pieces on that roster. There are a lot of rumors about trying to trade Donaldson now. Maybe
0: Nelson yeah, Cruz. If if you can get much for Donaldson because he's always injured. And he's in it the also headlines, got that more huge fork.
1: contract. Exactly,
0: right, exactly. Um, what, t- what team do you think that's sitting – well, how can we – whoa, how can we forget this? The New York Yankees. My <laughs> goodness, great. I mean, what, what – what what? I mean, Boone stinks. Boone stinks. And, and, uh, and, and, and uh, of, can you, and you if explain the to Boston
1: me how a role this Chapman is an all-star? with how bad he's imploded as a blade.
0: I mean, he, he would absolutely, I mean, absolutely horrendous. I mean, if you go back and look at the point, um, if I can see if I can find it, um, this is, a, it's an old outdated stat, but I, I never got a chance to get this out on the air, but I needed to say it because I wrote this Chapman has just been beyond horrendous. Um, if i can find it but he has been absolutely pathetic i mean he came i mean he, he can't get anybody out i mean for the first two months of this for the first two and a half first two and a half months of the season i mean it was it was strike out strike out strike out goodbye good night see you tomorrow down one two three he was unhittable for the first two months of the season and he and he realistically was the only was one of the few bright spots of the yankees who I mean they've had a disappointing season altogether. When they were like five plus games under five hundred in April and May, he was their only bright spot because you knew if he was coming into the game, the Yankee was going to win because it was just he, he. I mean he was it was guaranteed one two three top or bottom of the ninth inning. And now and now this time around, you know since since the end of. Uh, since the end of June and up until this point, he's been pathetic. He gave up that walk-off home run on the road to Nelson Cruz. He absolutely he absolutely imploded against um, the Angels against the Angels a few against the Angels a few yeah, weeks. That was back. an unsafe
1: situation. Uh, that home yeah. run to Pete Alonzo, like he did, like that. Yeah, that's the thing that's I mean, rolling around now.
0: It's, 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 he's just he's just been absolutely terrible. And, you know, and if you go back and you look, you know, in the game that they played against um, against Houston this past Sunday, they, Baron Boone was scared to use him. He just throw through Chad Green out there. And, and they absolutely imploded when he had – I think they went by like five runs or something, and they absolutely imploded to Houston, and they let Altuve burn him again with a with a walk off home run, uh, with a walk off home run to close out the first half. And the Yankees, who did a phenomenal job for the first two nights in Houston, they beat them that Friday night. They had Garrett Cole show some guts, and 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 like we discussed earlier in the show, you know, no reliever goes deep in the ball games anymore. He gave yourself the good old fashioned 129 pitch. Complete game, complete game shutout, and the Yankees were flying high. They were having fun, turning out two with the jersey thing and everything else. And then they they have a chance to sweep the Astros, sweep the Astros, and and to to get the last lap, so to speak, in their last game they'll play of the season, unless they meet up later in October and their bullpen comes in in the bottom of the ninth and absolutely vomits all over themselves. And a loss that put the Yankees back. 25 years that loss was so bad going into y'all Star break, we have a chance to sweep the astros and get even with them and and and, and altuve gets you again and this is when the yankees heckle and their fans heckled the hell out of altuve when they came to the bronx in the month of may and they had it and the yankees had a chance to sweep the to sweep the astros in the bronx and then Altuve comes in late in the ballgame. I think that was off, off, also off of Chad Green as well. Comes in on his birthday and hits a go-ahead home run in the late innings to put the Astros out on top. Boone stinks. He needs to. If, if the boss is still alive, Aaron Boone would have been would have been fired would've, in the month. He would have
1: fired four managers by now. Yeah, he
0: Boone, Boone stinks. You know this team's hitting is very. This team's hitting. You know. What, the, what they hit home runs out the ballpark left and right one night, and then the next night they can't hit the way out of a paper bag. Their bullpen has now imploded. Garrett Cole wasn't as good as he was when he was using the sticky stuff, despite the 129 pitch uh, complete game shutout on Saturday night. The Yankees are finished. Yankees are done.
1: Yeah, I think it's the time when you start shitting your pants if you're the Yankees. And I was saying this back in April it's like it's too early to panic. Now, I think it's the time, especially since, I mean, Red Sox are pulling away from you. The Rays are pulling away from you. The A's and the um, Astros are starting to pull away. Like, uh, I mean, at this point, like, do you trade Aaron Judge and get max value for him?
0: They can't. They can't. If they trade Judge, they'd never hear the end of it. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean who, Judge who knows? Judge isn't like a, J- a transcendent
1: point. talent, though. He just hits home runs.
0: Right. Yeah he's more known for the fact that he's you know damn near seven feet tall more than the fact that he's a transcendent talent of a baseball player Mm -hmm. i mean i i mean you you can pull up the stat i saw it a couple days ago it's this crazy stat where like the yankees were are the are responsible for the two losses in the history of the sport where they head into the ninth inning i think like a seven run lead or more and end up losing the game the yankees the New York Yankees. I don't know the stat. Maybe you could you can pull it up for me if you have it on standby. But the Yankees are the only team responsible, the only team responsible in the sport for blowing. I think seven plus run leads in the ninth inning of a ball game. My Orioles, with their hapless bullpen, doesn't even do that. I mean, when the when I brought up that June 28th game, the Orioles against the Astros a, a few minutes ago, you know they didn't even do that when they when they were in Houston. They didn't even, I mean, they had a five-run top of the ninth inning, but even they didn't let Altuve burn them with a, I mean, he nearly did. Altuve, it was bases loaded. It was like an out or two outs, whatever it was. Altuve whacked the crap out of the ball, all for it to go into Austin, hates glove at the warning track and left field. But even the Orioles don't do stuff like this. And the Orioles are a rebuilding team that's supposed to be one of the worst teams in, in the sport, and they are, but they're, they're expected to be bad. The Yankees are supposed to be World Series contenders, and they're doing things that the Orioles aren't even doing. Yeah. Which just goes to show you just the weirdness of the sport altogether. But still, I mean, the Orioles aren't doing
1: some of the things that the Yankees are doing right now. Everyone loves the Yankees playing like shit. Everyone does. That's what we can all do. Everybody unit. loves it. Like, Yankees suck. Hey, let's join in on the, <laughs> the bandwagon. I think Houston Absolutely. is outright celebrating right now.
0: But and and they have every right to the Yankees. I mean, I mean, and it's fair because they cheated, but the Yankees they can't get over 20 2017. There were a to of cheating as well, right? And every single time they poke the bear, the Astros come back to come back to get the last lap. I'll do special. especially. It's, it's just been weird. Um, last before we let you go, you got a World Series prediction for us based on uh, where we're sitting in the, at the end of the first half. It,
1: it is too early right now, but I mean, I had Dodgers-Yankees at the start of the year. I'm going to say Dodgers-Astros a rematch. Really? Yeah, wow. and just watch the Dodgers win and get the last lap, though, too.
0: <laughs> Funny how sports works. That'd man. be
1: cruel. <laughs> but yeah.
0: It would be. Absolutely would. Tree did a phenomenal job did a phenomenal Thanks, job. Thanks for coming on. I understand it was a long time, but had a lot to discuss and what was a jam-packed a problem, first, first half of the baseball season. Look to uh, have you on again prior to, or either prior to the football season or when the football season is uh, fresh and young. But that will be a couple of months until that time happens, so uh, you don't have to look at me for another 60-plus uh, days or so. But you did a phenomenal dude, job. No worries, man. Thank <laughs> you for having me on, bro. <laughs> did a phenomenal job. Anytime, man. Anytime you do a great job, check him out. Urinating tree on Twitter and YouTube channel. Go ahead and check him out. Provides commentary for base for MLB, uh, NFL, NHL. If you're a hockey guy, and a he even bit did of it NBA, but little and very little, little bit. I mean, he, he uploaded a haters guide for the NBA, which I absolutely love. But check him out on YouTube as well. Uh, That's Urinating Tree. I'm your host, Jack Shields, back with the Amatilla Catelius podcast. Back to wrap things up right after this. Welcome back to the I'm Teleketiah's podcast. Special thanks and a thank you again to the Great Urinating Tree for coming on the program. Did a phenomenal job. Uh, it was a long segment, but when that much stuff happened. Over a course of what April, May, June, and uh, half of July, three and a half months for the first half of the baseball season, you're going to have a lot to talk about. I'm um, so appreciate him once again for coming on the program. Try to get him on again, either right before the NFL season starts. Maybe have him on and get our pal Brandon Per. Maybe we'll have him and Perna on the show together. I don't know. And also throw our uh, our pal Brendan Dillon in the mix uh so he can break down uh, his uh, Washington Redskins uh, s- s- uh, uh football team rather uh you know prior to the two thousand and twenty one season uh with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick a quarterback and uh and uh Chase Young on the defensive line. Um, but it was interesting from Tree that uh you know he re- he thinks and I, did, I do not feel this myself, but I he I I was shocked at the answer that he gave me about how he thinks that somewhere down the line Tony La Russa could end up costing uh, the White Sox in a big spot uh, somewhere d- somewhere down the line, and that essentially that they've been coasting off the fact that they have uh, that they have high end talent. I was really surprised. I was really surprised by that. I don't feel that I don't feel that feeling at all. I think part of the reason why the White Sox are doing so well is because Tony La is a hall. Of, is a hall. Of, he's sitting in the Hall of Fame right now. He's a Hall of Fame manager. Won many a World Series championships. You know, he's he's put together a competitive and a contender every place he's been, whether it be with the White Sox the first time he was there in the eighties uh the uh the Oakland A's in the late in the late eighties, early nineties and then when he got and then when he got to St. Louis with the Cardinals, you know, they put together a competitive a competitive team everywhere he's been. So I think the reason why they have been playing that well to this point in the season is because it's because of the fact that Tony La LaRus- LaRus- is a hell of a manager. Um but it was it was a v I was I was floored when he gave that answer um and you also heard his thoughts on the Altani thing, the sticky substances, the pirates, the Diamondbacks, the Orioles, uh, and talked about the Yankees, you know, the Yankees who, you know, it can't who it, were flexing their muscles and were and were having fun with the Astros with the with the Altuve with the jersey thing and all. Oh, it's cold in here. Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, all nine yards. They beat them last. They beat them last Friday night in Houston. Garrett Cole has a throwback hundred twenty nine. A complete game shutout performance on a, in front of a nationally televised Fox audience. He kicks Boone off the mound in the in the in the bottom of the ninth inning. Kicks Boone off the mound. Said Boone, "Get off my mound! I'm finishing this. It's my game to win." And essentially, and as John Sterling, the radio voice of the Yankees, said, "The greatest Yankee win of the year." Well, it's ironic that he said that because less than less than twenty four hours later the Yankees had their had their worst loss had their worst loss of the year uh had their worst loss of the year because they because theycus chad green and as we discussed this earlier uh in the show with urinate with uh with uh tree he Ch- they they throw Chad Green out there and boom had uh, his, his handling and his managing of his bullpen. Uh-uh. I mean, my goodness gracious! He comes in he he comes in there stinks up the joint, uh, stinks up the joint and allows Altuve to cook him again. And this is after Altuve on his birthday. Uh, I believe that was either May. The I have to look it up but this is but this is after when Jose Altuve when uh, Jose Altuve came in and absolutely uh, destroyed the Yankees when they went to the Bronx for the first time since the whole cheating uh scenario uh came to light they got bashed. They got booed. They got heckled like you wouldn't believe by the Yankee fan, and I was in full support of it. And then, and then I f- I think it was either well, let me just Google Jose Altuve's birthday, and I'll get and I'll get the answer of what of uh, what day that was. Uh, on May the on May the sixth, the uh, the Yankees have a chance to sweep the big bad Astros and kind of get their own little. Uh, their own little consolation prize, and then lo and behold, Jose Altuve comes in. I believe that was off of chad green if i'm not if I'm not mistaken. Um, comes in and on, on his birthday, no less. After he's after he's been heckled and jeered and booed for for two days, comes in uh, on May the sixth on his birthday and hits a go, and hits a go ahead home and hits a go ahead home run in the late innings to put the Yankees over the top and they win, and they win the game seven to four. Uh it was that off of Chad Green. Let me check. I think it was and it wouldn't surprise me if it was. Yeah, it was off of Chad Green, who Jose Altuve frickin' owns. And then he and then uh and then and then you fast forward to Sunday again. Phenomenal performance by Cole the night before. They're finally hitting for once the Yankees. Uh, they get a big home run from uh, from Gary Sanchez, and then lo and behold, uh, here comes Chad Green, who stinks, comes in and gives up an absolute bomb, a three-run walk-off home run to Jose Altuve, who got him again for the second time in the clutch this season and the Yankees coming off of, as John Sterling said, the greatest win of their season, turned back in less than 24 hours later, have an absolute gut, suffer an absolute gut punch and a dagger to the heart, and what is a, and what is a, as bad as a Yankee loss, a regular season Yankee loss as you are ever going to see, especially considering that it was, that was their last game prior to the All-Star break, that they have to sit that Aaron Judge and the Yankees that went to Denver had to chew on on the on their private jets on their way from Houston to Denver, and have to and they as a team have to gnaw on and uh, and put in a, and put in their little pipe and smoke it on their way back to the Bronx to resume uh, the second half of the season, or to kick off the second half of the season, resume the season uh, against the Red Sox, who who also have the Yankees number two uh, this season uh, come uh, Thursday night. I mean, as bad a Yankee loss as you are ever, ever, ever going to see in your life. I mean, in my estimation, honestly, it might be a little bit of a recency bias, but I can't think of a worse Yankee loss uh, outside, outside of the uh, well, yeah, I can think of a couple of them the 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 walk off home run that Cruz hit like I mentioned earlier with uh, with uh, tree that, that that uh when they had a chance to sweep the Twins on the road and didn't and then of course when they got absolutely destroyed uh by the Angels two weeks back with the with the grand I think it was either a three run home run or a grand slam off of Chapman who is absolutely pathetic and you can tell that that he's absolutely pathetic and the Yankees don't have to tell you that verbally they know it because Boone. told... Who has clearly lost confidence in Chapman, who is absolutely electric the first two months of the season, throws in Chad Green in there to get absolutely bombed by Altuve on Sunday afternoon. But uh, but hell of a spot by uh, by tree, Thanks for him. Thanks to him always. For coming on, we'll see if the Yankees... I think in my mind the Yankees are dead, but they have an opportunity to to show me otherwise by going out there and do you know have a four game have a four game uh weekend sweep to begin the second half of the season against Boston uh at home. Will you Yankees, huh? But anyway, uh, the All Star game and the uh, home run derby before we say goodbye. Uh, in which, you know, if you can't, if you watched it, American League won 5-2. to two. Uh, they're on an absolute hot streak as far as winning all-star games is concerned. I believe it's, I think it's seven, if not eight in a row that the American League has won. Uh, the Midsummer Classic, clearly the much, uh, better league with the better hitters and the, and the, uh, with the better hitters and the better, and the better, uh, uh, and a better a multitude of pitchers and everything else. Uh, Otani got the win because uh, that man just keeps on, ma- just keeps on making history every way you turn. Um, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who ended up winning the All-Star Game MVP, hit an absolute mammoth shot. Uh, hit an absolute mammoth shot in the game. Um, I will pull up uh, what inning he hit it in. Uh, uh that was a uh, off of uh, burns off of burns in the third inning a, a solo home run uh, in the third inning which at the time gave the uh, which gave the american league at the time a 2 to nothing lead uh the all star game you know it is what it is i think it's the it's lost it's lost its luster and it's lost its Romance, so to speak, because because of uh, interleague play ruining it, that doesn't mean as much now as it did in the 60s and the 70s and 80s where you didn't have interleague play, so that's part of it. Uh, the uniforms abs- the uniforms were absolutely atrocious. I mean, whoever designed those uniforms in Nike needs to be fired immediately, and I hope that it's just a one-time thing because uh, those uniforms are absolutely deplorable. Oh this, oh my God, they're so ugly, you know, with the all blue look for the for the American League it's just oh my god and then and then I, don't, I don't mean i don't know but it, i mean they look they either look like poor imitations of softball uniforms, or they look like that they tried to or' it like that they tried to create a uh, a softball slash military uniform hybrid with the American flag on the on the sleeve and the, and whatever the camouflage pattern it was. On the lower part of the sleeve, and then of course yeah, the 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 team abbreviation on the on the chest with the logo in the in the neutral uh, blue or blue or white color. It's just oh, it such an ugly ugly, and the hats were they're just putridly bad. Oh, I couldn't stand the uniforms. Uniform's absolutely sick. Go back to what we were doing for the previous 90 All-Star Games, MLB. And uh, and I understand you have a little deal with Nike, but you, you're paying Nike. Nike isn't paying you. Uh how about in the future okay if you want to have a nice little cool hat design like you have been for the last uh, few years uh you know get a little uh, creative with the with the all star with the uh, with the hat designs so you can sell uh so you can sell a few uh Sell a few bucks, all right. So be it. But when it comes to the jersey, pant, uniform, go back to what you've been doing for the previous 90 years and have every single player uh, from every from every team that's, uh, that's that they're representing wear their regular either home whites or road grays. Is that too much to ask? You know, one of the things that makes the game of baseball uh, unique and special than all the other sports is the All Star game itself and the fact that they and the fact that the players don't wear a don't wear like a a a singular not a singular but wear a united uh, u- uniformed uniform. You know they. You know they wear. You know I want to see Cedric Mullins. I want to see Cedric Mullins. Uh, wear the uh, where the where the Orioles. Wear the Orioles home grace. I want to see uh uh Nolan Arenado, where the uh, where the Cardinal Whites making his uh making his uh you know playing an All-Star game at Coors Field in front of the uh in front of his uh former uh, uh Denver uh Denver I was about to call him the Denver Rockies Colorado Rockies fans I want to see uh I want to see Um, uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Wear the road Blue Jay uniform. I want to see Shohei represent the Angels and wear the Angels uh, uniform. I want to see... I want to see... Uh, 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 not Acuna because he's a. But I want to see, I want to see the Tatis Juniors of the world wear that white, uh, pinstriped new Padre, uh, new Padre uniform. I want to see the players, even whether you whether you're playing for a team or you have like three or four representations on the All Star team, and you know whether and you're sitting in first place. Or if you're on a team such as my Orioles who you know, who stink, or you play on the Pirates who stink, allow that fan to get to get such a kick out of the fact, whether it be the young fan or the old fought, allow them to get a kick out of seeing seeing that player represent the team that they play for at the All Star game. Because on many because on many a cases for the bad team, the the that's the most attention that they'll get on a national spotlight is their player in that team specific uniform. You know, my growing up, my Oriol, my Orioles stunk. My Orioles in in the uh, in the mid late two thousands and in in the mid in the mid late two thousands, my Orioles stunk, stunk. And you know, and as it is in all the other sports, when you're good and when you're a contending team, you get the privileges that are that is playing on national television. And one of my big exposures to baseball was Saturday afternoon, four o'clock, Fox Saturday Baseball with Buck and at the time uh, Tim McCarver, and the or and the Orioles would never be on it because they were bad. But I could count on the fact that one time every single year. One time every single year, you would see a player affiliated and wearing the Baltimore Orioles uniforms wear the Oriole uniform on on the national television airwaves, and you get to see that Baltimore Orioles you know little graphic during uh, during the All Star game broadcast. And it's nice to see you know for exists for instance in the 2007 All Star game sticks out for me. Uh, most recently, you know, as a kid, seeing Brian, seeing Brian Roberts at at well, at the time it was called AT and T Park, where the or- where the Orioles' gray uniform, got a huge kick out of that. Brian Roberts was one of my favorite players growing up as a kid. And you know a kid who's uh, you know at the time I was what five years old five years old 2007 All Star game. So how about the five year old Orioles fan now wants to see Cedric wants to see Cedric Moments in the Orioles uniform that's easily recognizable and now they can't because Major League Baseball must make you know hundreds of thousands of dollars off of those stupid dopey ugly all blue Nike uniforms that they that they threw at us on Tuesday night. Get rid of them. Baseball, it it it's got the best one. It's got the most unique All Star Game out of all of them. Part of it is the fact that 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 the players of the teams that they represent they wear their regular uniform. Simple. Keep it that way. Or if you want to spice it up a little bit, or if you want to spice it up a little bit so so you get rid of the the white versus the gray. Well here's well here's what you do. How about for how about for every team that has an alternate uniform, you know, at their disposal, how about you, how about every player for how about every player, how about the hey how about you allow the players from every single team where there are where their alternate jersey. So for instance, you. so for instance, Vladimir Guerrero will wear the uh You'll have Vladimir Guerrero wear the uh, sky blue uniform for the Blue Jays. Cedric Mullins will wear the uh, will wear the will wear the uh, the orange jerseys for the Orioles, or the, or the Black Friday uniforms for the Orioles, or you or allow um uh, or allow um uh, Otani to wear the Red Angel jersey if you want to spice it up a little bit while, while still having a form of sense of tradition in place do it that way have every player wear the alternate jersey of the team that they're representing instead of these awful 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 ugly looking uniforms at least with the nf at least with the nfl the nfl copies what baseball does a little bit to a certain degree because why they may all uh, and football it's important because because you know cuz you know you know because I, unlike baseball it's important that the uniforms uh, that the uniforms don't run and all clash together because it can get confusing. But at least with the NFL, if they give the two teams—the AFC and the NFC teams—a specific uniform that they have to wear that's out of the ordinary, that isn't the specific, that isn't the player-specific team uniform, they at least keep the same route to a to a, you know they at least follow the baseball route, so to speak, by allowing the players to wear their team's helmet. So, you know, when Russell Wilson's dropping back the pass in the Pro Bowl, you see the Seahawk helmet. Joe Burrow, hopefully in a few years, he drops back the pass for the AFC in the Pro Bowl. He's got the famous Bengals uh, Tiger Stripe helmet on. Or, uh, or Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. You know, the, or, or, the, or the iconic Dallas Cowboy helmet. So, the football at least keeps, keeps some individuality in their all-star game. And their all-star game Stinks. But they at least allow the players, instead of instead of giving the players a uniformed helmet to say that says either AFC or NFC on it, they at least allow their players to wear the helmets of the teams that they're representing. And I understand why Major League Baseball feels the need to uh, feels the need to to go ahead and re- reinvent the apple cart by wearing these awful, ugly uniforms. I I I, I, I don't get it, and I don't understand it. Um. Tre Mancini, God bless his heart, uh put on a phenomenal show in the home run dirty on Monday night. I was pouring for him, uh, like you wouldn't believe, uh, and was absolutely heartbroken, dagger to my heart when uh Pete Alonzo when Pete Alonzo uh, of the New York Mets uh came back to uh to uh to uh, repeat as home run derby champion absolutely uh, crushed me and, and destroyed me. I mean, even when the Orioles don't play a an actual game, they find a way to bring me excruciating, heartbreaking pain is what this team does best. But shout out and hats off to Trey Mancini, a phenomenal inspiration story. Uh, just a, what a job that he's done. I mean, God bless him and Boy, I wish he could have won that derby on Monday night. Oh, my goodness gracious, I wish he could have won. Um, but uh, but shout-out to him. Hats off to him. Shout-out to Soto, hit the longest uh, home run in home run derby history. Uh, and Otani, uh, who's uh, that little funky inside-out swing that he has. Uh, obviously, it, it, if it's been proven that it does not work in the home run derby because you get real tired quick, especially where you're doing it with the new format in which you have a clock you know it's not like one out two out three out four out five six seven eight nine ten outs we can kind of take your time uh this thing is the only thing in the sport that's timed and that's the home run derby and when you're timed and you have to take about 30 plus swings in a home run derby format the way Otani swings as a left-handed hitter can tire you out and tuck you out Pretty quick, especially in the city of Denver, dealing with that high altitude, of course, a mile high above sea level. Uh, He got bounced in the first round, which I found was quite funny and quite ironic because everybody and their mother had Otani winning the whole freaking thing. And all of a sudden he gets and then suddenly he gets bounced by Soto. Uh, in the first round, excuse the walking back and forth and you hear the doors opening and closing in the background. Mother bouncing every which way because uh, I don't know what she's doing. I guess she's planning to work out. I don't know. So excuse the closing of the doors back and forth. Um, there'll be about 30 more seconds left in this show uh, and then you don't have to worry about that anymore. But um, I also, also a new feature uh, for the program also is that um, you can now donate to the show. Uh, you can now donate to the Tell Katia's podcast program if you love the show and you like what you hear and you want to uh, put your money where your mouth is and uh and uh donate to this lovely program you can the link will be in the show the the link will be in the episode notes in Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts uh, Stitcher iHeartRadio Whole 90 Yards that's your show. I will talk to you on Saturday. Talk some NBA finals. And the second half of the baseball season uh, will be uh, in commence of that moment. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. And I will talk to you on Saturday. See ya.